right? If you're dealing with with buyers in the first time home price point, they definitely are based on today's interest rate and based on the price points, right? At three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, you're you're going to get asked, and there's a good chance you're going to get asked for closing cost contribution. Like the last a, one we went to like was a, over in like Indianapolis. Like a per hour hotel? Was it that Yeah, bad? it was kind of per hour. Yeah, it was sort of that. <laughs> there was like people out. I literally, it was like they were uh, tailgating in the, the parking lot. They had a huge boom box. It was super loud. They're out there grilling and stuff. It was different. You are now listening to the Real Estate Everybody's Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. I'm Ashton Hines, part of the Real Estate Heavyweights, the newbie, the guy who's flipped four houses, who still works a full-time job as a a physical therapist assistant in home health, um, and who also is trying to learn the business and uh, be a realtor. I've been super active as a realtor. We'll get into that here in a little bit uh, lately. But I've I've been able to do more and more real estate, less and less therapy. And uh, we're, we're making that transition. I'm transitioning. I'd like to announce that I'm transitioning from a, a therapist to a real estate professional. So the person that's helping me in my transition, who's guiding me along the way, is my friend, other half of the real estate heavyweights, Tavis Westbrook. What's up, Tavis? Good morning. What's up, man? It's always Have good. To, we look forward to this every week, so it's good. Here we are. I do look forward to it. It's a lot of fun. This is episode 34. We're trying to get our interviews kicked back up. We've got people on the sidelines. We're, we've got some people lined up. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, we we actually had a whole interview that we did that just fell away and didn't record. Uh, well, it recorded us. It just didn't record our guest after the that, five minute that mark. That was so bizarre. And, yeah. <laughs> and then we have another happened. one. I know. And then we have another one as a good friend of yours who would be a great interview. And he's having a hard time on his technical side of things <laughs> because his, his company blocks the, the site computer. that we, yeah. we need to use. So anyway, we've, We've had that, but we've got several really cool ones lining up and I've made some contacts with some folks that I'm friends with and friends of friends. And I'm excited about the the interviews we haven't come up, but speaking of interviews, so little, little preview, we interviewed, uh, our friend Jack with iFund cities. He's a hard money lender. He he's down. I had said, Hey, could you do this Wednesday? And he's out of town. He's down in McAllen and he went to a builder's meeting yesterday and just take a guess as to the price per square foot. He says that they're building it. And the, some of those houses are nice. I don't know if you see, watch them on Instagram, but some of those new builds down in the McAllen area are really nice. And it's like, they're kind of clickbaity because it's like, oh, you can get this house for under $500,000 in Texas. Well, it's like out in the middle of nowhere, you know, but, um, so guess what the, the he, he mentioned the price per square foot that they're building at down there. What's that? 75. Holy cow. I remember that day. <laughs> <laughs> that was many, that was like 10 years ago when we could do yeah, that. Right. But he says it's labor and the, the, uh, actual materials, there's just less shipping costs. A lot of the materials are coming from Mexico. And so the, it's just less distance, less gas, all the stuff. And Got it. so they can build these beautiful houses and they look amazing on Instagram. 
these wide open modern e houses for really cheap. Uh, so he's down there trying to pick up some business. We'll get Jack on sometime soon and, uh, you know, get going. So I want to give a shout out to a friend of the show. He's a loyal listener. He listens while he works out. My friend Rob, he's a pastor over in the Flower Mound area. He's doing his first flip right now. And he's listened to, I think, almost every episode that we have, if not every one. And I've, I've had dinner with them. So I, I want to give him a shout out, give him a little bit of encouragement because he, he, they did their first flip. I walked it. They did a really nice job. And they were excited because they got a full price offer really early on, but they rescinded it before it actually, they, it was accepted and all this. It didn't even go into the option period. So you kind of have that carrot put out in front of you. And then I think it's been over a little over a week. They had another low ball off, low-ish uh, offer. And it's one of those heartstrings ones, you know, where it's like FHA and this family loves the house. The agent's already kicking in part of his commission to help with closing costs. And, you know, I know Rob's heart. He wants it. <laughs> I'm sure he wants it for that family, you know, yep. but then like they're not, they're going to lose money or, you know, barely make any money if they take this offer. And so I know it can be really frustrating and you've been through that, you know, that offer, dance, you know, several times. So do you have any advice for Rob and his partner as they're, as they're going through this phase? This is their first time through the flip. They want to get it done. They want to move on, but I'm telling them, hold strong a little bit. You're still early. You're still early on the average days on market. Uh, you know, our area is under around 30 to 40, depending on, I think Denton might be 33 right now. Yeah. They're up in this, this flips up in Denton. So you got any advice for our friend, Rob? How many days on market are they? I think they're probably around nine. I didn't look it up, but oh, if, if I remember right, okay. they're about nine, ten, something like that. Yeah, they're early. And how many how many showings have they had? I don't know that specifically. They've had really good activity. I want to okay. say just based on what he's texted me a few times, I would venture a guess it's around ten. And they've and gotten, then they've had some really good ones at at open houses. Yeah, and how and many offers? Two offers. Two two offers. I think they're doing great. I mean, look at at the end of the day, you know, it's all about getting getting people in the door that are willing and able to write an offer. So I, I think he's doing great. I don't think there's anything there to change. I think you just have to kind of sort through, you know, the, uh, the right, you know, the right offer that makes sense. So yeah. I, I think he's doing fine. I mean, it, it's frustrating when you, you, you know, you, you get, you get showings, you get excited, you get an offer, you get excited and then you start digging through it and you're like, Oh man, you know, how do we make this thing work? Um, so, you know, it's, it's completely okay to have those, that anxiety, you know, that comes along with it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't sweat it. I would hold tight. I would hold steady where you're at and, you know, get the, uh, you know, just wait on the, wait on the right fit. You know, I think yeah. it's coming. I mean, you, you know, your marketing is doing what your marketing is supposed to do. You've had, you know, You've had several showings. You've had two offers. You're on the market nine days. You're doing great. You know, you yeah. just have to fit. Yeah. So it, it, uh, did you mention that he can't go FHA because of the timeline? Was that? I don't know about that. I think that's probably fine because they were sort of entertaining it. But I know that it just wouldn't really do financially for that flip what they needed to do. You know, they because would be they either needed cutting all costs. their profits off. They needed closing costs, but I'm just saying the offer itself was just lower than what they could absorb on their flip. You know, I know they're Got pretty it. tight. It's their first one. It actually worked really fast. It was a yeah. pretty lipsticky one, and but it looks great, clean, staged. Like they did it all right. 
you know. And what's the what's the price point? That's a good question. I I don't know. I'm gonna lie okay. to you. I, I the he only sent thing, me the link. I have to look at it. Here's four hundred here's, here's probably. Here's the caveat: is depending on what price point you're in, you have to understand that, you know, your target audience, right? If you're dealing with with buyers in the first time home price point, they definitely are based on today's interest rate and based on the price points, right? At three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. You're you're going to get asked, and there's a good chance you're going to get asked for closing cost contribution. It's just part of that audience, right? Yeah. In the sense that, you know, you've got somebody that's putting three and a half percent down on FHA, you know, at at a three hundred thousand dollar home. You know, four twenty nine. That's the list price. Four twenty nine. There are eleven days on the market. I just looked at it. So four twenty nine. You know, you're putting a pretty good chunk of money down at three and a half percent down. You know, if it's a first time home buyer, you know what I'm seeing right now is like the house I have in Wiley is at six hundred, and we're you know the offer that we got and executed, they're putting like three hundred fifty thousand down. So crazy. You know, they had money from selling a house before sitting there in the bank and they're able to put that on it. So interest rate and all those things don't matter. It's just a different step, right? It's more of a second, uh, a second home. You know, it's a, it's not your first time home buyer typically. Right. You know, but anyways, uh, you just have to kind of prepare for that. You have to make sure that you know that if you're dancing in the first time home buyer price point, there's a good possibility that people are going to ask for closing costs uh, because they just don't have, you know, forty thousand dollars sitting around right sure. i mean they, they've they've saved up money you know three and a half percent at or three percent at 400 right would be twelve thousand dollars and then yeah. another half percent times three Six, you know eight, so like fifteen thousand dollars so they got fifteen thousand dollars plus closing costs closing costs is probably you know now a lot of people i, I want to mention this because I, I learned this early on in my career when people mention closing costs there's a lot of controversy that happens with that because people say, oh, oh my God, I can't believe closing costs is $10,000. The, the kicker is closing cost is a broad term that combines both closing costs and prepaids. So where people get confused is prepaids is what is needed for escrows. So basically, and, and your insurance. So typically when you buy a house, you've got to pay one year premium of, of insurance up front. And insurance has gone up. So in a lot of cases now, I mean, that, that number is going to be in the mid twos to, you know, $3,000, you know, if not more. So, you know, that being said, you're paying that plus about three months of reserves. So you're paying $3,000 just for insurance. You're paying another, you know, three months reserves. You're going to combine that together. And then you're talking taxes. So most of the time they're going to require at least three months of re- reserves and taxes Sometimes they're going to require six months, you know, it just kind of depends on the lender, depends on the time of year, Mm. you know, all of those different things. Now, you do get a credit from the seller, you know, depending on the time of year um, that will offset some of that. So that is helpful. But that's just your prepaids. And then your closing costs are going to be your lender fees, your underwriting fees, your title insurance fees for the lender. The seller will pay title insurance for you know, the seller uh, giving you an insurance policy, you know, typically if that's negotiated in the deal, which most of the time it is that the seller's paying that title policy. Uh, but if they don't, then the buyer pays for it. So for instance, if you're buying a new build, the new build with most builders, you know, they expect you to pay it. And that's part of their incentive package. If you use their lender, they'll pay for, mm-hmm. 
you know, the title policy. Well, if you're buying a traditional home, a lot of times sellers already expect to pay that for you because they're insuring good title for you to buy this property that not going to have some long distance cousin come knock on your door and say, Hey, you know, I own this house. So anyways, that's, that's important to understand of what closing costs and prepaids are and, and why they get so expensive. So, I mean, like I said, those could be 10,000, $12,000 sometimes between closing costs and prepaids added mm-hmm. on top of your down payment requirement. So again, if you're a first time home buyer, you may not have all this money stashed away to be able to pay all this closing costs out of pocket, right? Yeah. So it's important just to understand. Yeah, well, that's a great explanation, you know, to, to know exactly where all those fees, because it just does start adding up. You get that that HUD statement, and it's like, well, that's different. And I thought it might be. But all, all, the moral of the story is hold strong, Rob. Yeah, you know, you never know. Um, yeah. the, the rates could dip a quarter percent over a weekend The everyone rushes out. They want to lock something up. You just never know how it's going to work. And, uh, I think you guys did a great job on the flip and it stays well, stays well. You've done yeah. everything you can. You, you're getting people in the door. I think you're priced right. So yeah, you get people on the door and you got two offers. I mean, that means that, you know, what you did to the home is attractive. That means that you're priced right to get people in the door. That means that your marketing efforts are getting people in the door. So all those are the yeah. right things. And yep. there's not much to change. You just have to kind of find that right, that right fit, you know, make that right match happen. So, yep. Yep. All right. Well, we've gotten a little bit into it already, but why don't we touch a little bit more on a market update? So we got an update from Mr. Kearney uh, over at Chicago title. They send out a really cool shout out, shout out. <laughs> We're going to a Mavs game soon. Figure out how to use uh, Google Chrome at some point. We'll have you on the show. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, we're going to a Mavs game soon. But they, they uh, Chicago Title puts out a really cool synopsis, sort of just an interpretation of the market. And Tavis forwarded that to me. Kind of the sentiment, the question mark in the market right now is that inflation went up a little bit again. So all these strings that the Fed has been pulling, you know, they're trying to slow down inflation through uh, different rates and, and this and that. But the the core inflation did go up a little bit, which means, you know, the the idea that during 2024, they're going to cut rates five, six times, we're going to float back down to five is not looking promising. The You know, it doesn't look like they're going to have to absolutely hammer the rate again and, and really start trying to slow the economy down yet. But the, the reality is that the job market reports keep being really strong and now core inflation has gone up a little bit. So don't be surprised if at some point they have to do something about it. And uh, I was actually looking at a chart, you know, historical chart back in, I think, 1984 interest rates were, I think, or maybe it was 81, it was 18%, you know, mm-hmm. during 1992 to 2000, it floated right around where we are for those eight years, the uh, seven and a quarter to eight, somewhere in there. So we had a long run right through there. And that's actually when I was in, in Round Rock growing up, my formative years of middle school and high school through uh, uh, Round Rock and Austin. And, uh, you know, that's when Dell came in and that whole area was booming, you know, just building houses left and right. So mm-hmm. I think if you go through a long enough time and people, that's the norm. At, at some point, the dam has to break. People are going to move. They're going to just go and decide to take the leap. And more and more people are going to get comfortable with that. The 3% loans are going to get washed out of the market. So the logic of, well, why would I trade this in for that? That logic's going to you know, erode over time. So even if we floated around this rate for a while, 
you know, I think that the volume is going to go up. Of course, the the month over month volume is going up because we're going into spring. Although I think the year over year even is a little higher from what they're saying. So uh, all that being said is the market's looking really strong. We're a seller's market, days on market. It's, you know, like I said, different pockets, it's different uh, numbers, but you're around the 33 to 40 range days on market, uh, still, still a strong seller's market. So I know yeah. Tavis is uh, under contract at his house in Wiley, and uh, you're also looking for a, a renter in Richardson for your midterm. You are searching for a renter. How long was this last one in there for you? Uh, they were in there a little over 60 days, um, this last okay. this last family. You know, they they had an issue. They had, you know, some pipes burst in their home. They lived in Garland not too far away and uh, needed, you know, needed temporary housing. So, you know, it's 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 weird to say renter because I kind of get my renters, you know. I, I think of renters in my 12-month, <laughs> you know, my mm-hmm. long-term yeah. stuff. I, I You know, I kind of say guest or, you know, family, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a way because it's it, – Basically, we're creating that temporary living situation, you know, for somebody to transition in with a suitcase and basically live like it's, you know, a luxury hotel, but with all the amenities they could think of to be able to have family over and and cook and entertain and do all the things that they would normally do in their own home without, you know, clutter and having actually a two-car garage that they could pull both cars into every day and, you know, all of those things, you know, so... Uh, it was yeah. cool. They, they These people gave me a really good review. Uh, they were a very, very nice family. They had really good things to say. They um, uh, they really enjoyed their stay. And, you know, and, and it's always good to hear from a designer point. You know, they're like, we're doing these things at our home and we, we were influenced by certain things. So we're going to implement some of these things at our home, you know. And uh, another thing I always get, and uh, kudos to Tabitha on this, but, you know, I get... Uh, People say that the kitchen is more stocked than their their primary home. Nice, <laughs> you know. So I'm like, that's great. Great job, Tabitha. Yeah, yeah. And she's good. She Tabitha is the gadget queen. Like she has all these different gadgets she's gotten over the years for certain things that do you know specific things, right? So yeah. and and yeah. like the little funnels, you know, that you use, but they're collapsible, like little rubber hmm. collapsible funnels, and I haven't seen stuff that. like that. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, they fit in the drawer, you know, and, and, and just different things like that. I mean, she has a lot of little fun little gadgets. Um, I tend to make a funnel out of my hand and just make a huge mess with flour and <laughs> whatever I'm trying to put back in after yeah. I've mismeasured again. Yeah. So I need to look into the silicone fa- funnel. We're looking to our next family. I mean, you know, we're, we're past, you know, we haven't had any bad weather in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, things still happen. So, um, you know, we fingers we, crossed. Ice storm. Yeah, they moved out. Uh, they moved out Friday, um, so we haven't been vacant very long. Um, I had a couple of inquiries on it about a month ago that were a little premature on when they were trying to come in, and and I'm starting to see corporate inquiries and different people that reached out to me for business uh, okay. that seems to be picking up. Uh, that wasn't there the last couple of years because of COVID. That seems to be picking up. It seems like I'm a little bit priced higher than some of their budgets allow. So we're, we're running into that a little bit. And what we're seeing is people will have an allowance for, for instance, you know, they've got 25 grand, right? And their 25 grand ideally should cover them, you know, like in my place, maybe like four months, right? But if they feel like they need six months, then we're priced out, 
right? Because they right. kind of give them like a solid number. Like you got twenty five grand, you do with what you want yeah. to find a place you want to go to. So some people are, are doing that, but there is but there's other people in the market that were weekend stuff that's out on the market that's less expensive than us. It's not going to be as nice, but it's out there. So that there is yeah. housing available at a, a, a lesser number. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully so you we can just, get it filled soon. Yeah. We just got to kind of, you got to stay tight again. You got to, you got to prepare for this. You know, we, we've talked about this before in these episodes. I, I would say now I, you know, a friend of mine called me this weekend and was considering taking one of his properties and converting it over to midterm. And so mm -hmm. we did the math and I said, you know, realistically you need to run it at seven months occupancy and three months vacant and run your numbers that way. And here's some realistic ideas of what you're going to spend in utilities and do the math on it. And for him, in his case, because what his price point was, it just didn't make sense. You know, he was yeah. like, I, it makes more sense to take the loss on a 12 month without the headaches and without the upfront cost of doing furniture and decor and, you know, stocking the home and keeping up with the upkeep and the maintenance and the cleaning fees and everything. It made more sense just to go to 12 month and take his annual loss that way based mm -hmm. on his P&I versus, you know, taking the potential risk of loss for a midterm, right? Mm. So yeah. anyways, it was interesting. It was a, it was cool. way to kind of dive into it, look at it that way. Yeah, I think we're going to get a little bit into some numbers later. I'm dealing with more and more invest investors. So. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the Flash, apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? We landed on the moon! Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Not a lot happening in the local news, except for uh, we did read an article about there is a Chicago-based company that I've heard this term. I would love to go drive one of these neighborhoods, but build to rent. Yep. These are brand new neighborhoods that are being developed just like, you know, your normal, your normal run of the mill neighborhoods, it looks like from the renderings, except for their townhomes and smaller single family homes that are solely built to rent. And I'm assuming that these companies that are developing them, they're renting them out. I don't, I don't get the impression that these are sort of for sale to investors. This is just like a turnkey. They're doing everything, developing it, putting it up, renting it out. And this is sort of part of their portfolio. This Chicago company is committed to doing an, an 408 units between, I think it said Frisco, Rowlett, and Fort Worth. So some decent sized neighborhoods there. You know, we've talked several times about how overall we're undersupplied on units for housing by, you know, in the millions across the United States. You know, some people say four to six million that were undersupplied. And so I think we're going to see more and more of this. And I'm sure if they're doing it at scale, they're doing their management, you know, obviously a pencils or else they wouldn't have started from the beginning, but that's a, it's a cool concept. I just, you know, you get a little nervous. It, the big, these bigger and bigger companies are coming in and they're putting in these things. What are the, you know, my question is what is that neighborhood going to feel like in 15 years, 20 years? Is it age yeah. really well? Is it cool? Is it, you know, a place that you're not going to want to build your forever home next to? I don't know. Like I, I assume that these have aged somewhere and you can kind of look at it, but I haven't ever experienced that. I know, you know, there's parts of Plano that have your duplexes and townhomes for streets on end, and it doesn't feel amazing over there. Uh, but, you know, that's why you have zoning laws and you have 
HOAs sometimes, and they keep some of those things in check. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. A good friend of mine, Nick Good, good home team, also A&G Development, his his brother, uh, you know, rest in peace, but his brother, Austin Good, um, was on the, you know, the development investment side, and Nick's always kind of run the traditional side of real estate. But they, um, and they have the, the only real estate podcast worth listening to. It's a mouthful. Yeah. I think they just call it the tour, you know, or whatever, the tour podcast. Anyways, we'll see if, uh, Nick will, will bless us and, uh, jump on the show at some point, but nevertheless, um, you know, him and his brother bought into development. It was over 10 years ago, uh, up at Denton. And this was mm-hmm. a, basically a single family duplex, um, you know, build to rent community. So I, th- I think it started, um, I don't know if they, I believe, you know, the first set, and this actually was a buddy of mine, Keith development. And, and we've talked about having Keith on the show, but I think, you know, it originally started uh, with maybe like only six units and then they sold the development off, you know, Austin bought it and then he, took it off and, and started developing and it, it's expanded. Uh, I forget how many units they have now, but it's a lot and they've done a really good job with it and uh, have built it up and matured it. And, you know, and basically that's what it is. It's all these, you know, nice, you know, two story duplexes. I've helped with some design stuff for them and their different phases over the years. Do they keep um, them and manage them? Like that's yeah. in their portfolio. Yeah. Okay. So that's, okay. yeah, that's all. And they also have a, you know, Nick bought into a, management company a few years ago, a property management company. So I, I don't know yet if that's managing his stuff yet or if they're transitioning. I don't know what their contracts okay. were that were in place, but oh, yeah, nevertheless, yeah, they're, that's great. they're all built up and they're built to rent. Um, okay. Now I will say this. So it, what's interesting is even though that they're individually, you know, platted, right? So technically you could sell off each half duplex separate right because they're individually parceled because they own it the way they do in a portfolio type loan it, it the the tricky part is when you go to sell you can't cherry pick and sell off you know five or six at a time you know because they could sell to consumer buyers right that that buy the home and live in it but basically he's stuck in a position where if he sells the properties it's a portfolio loan so he's mm-hmm. got to sell everything he can't just sell a piece of it. So it's similar to multifamily in that sense, even though that they're single family entities and everything is individually metered and everything else, it just makes it a little bit more challenging when you go to turn that investment, as you were talking about before with these big developers, it basically just becomes, you know, where you're looking for that next big investor that's coming in to look at it. Similar to like multifamily, how many doors do you have? What's the net operating rate, income? Yeah. yeah. What What's the cap rates kicking out and and looking at that? So, anyways, yeah. that's. But that's I have cool. seen I'd it. I, I've witnessed them. it, and uh, yeah, they've done a good job. It's they get a lot of college kids because it's up in Denton, yeah. right at the two eighty eight loop. So they get a lot of people at the Women's University at North Texas University, and you know stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, for sure. The other article that um, came up, and, and I think we'll probably talk a little bit about, I think we'll expand on this as a more of a full topic soon, but just because some of the clientele I'm working with currently, there's a, an article in the Bigger Pockets forums 
There was actually an economist that lives in Dallas named Amy Nixon. She became pretty popular last year on Twitter because she coined the term Airbnb bust. And a lot of people ran with it. And she actually did a ton of interviews. I remember seeing, you know, she'd pop up on CNBC and stuff like that. But I think she's based here. And this article was sort of tackling this idea of did Airbnb go bust, the, the idea of the short-term rentals. And I'm sure different operators would tell you, you know, different statistics. But this, the bigger pockets synopsis was in general, it did not go bust like it was predicted. That being said, is that average rents are down from their height in, you know, the COVID era, which when everyone was wanting to go on vacation and stay away from people, they were willing to pay a little bit more. Things were really booked up and the rates went up. And so it's not, it's not even something that you can use as a barometer. Uh, I know our friend Aaron, who's doing the midterm rental, he has a couple of short terms. And we were talking to another investor the other day and he said, you have to throw out the COVID years. Go back to 19 and 18, mm-hmm. see historical data then. And now you can compare that to now and kind of get get an idea where you are. And if you can sort of get back to the 19 levels, then you're going to be doing okay. And so I think the it was sort of clickbaity in a way to say, oh yeah, it's going down. Now, that being said is, I think that during that rise of Airbnbs becoming super popular, the technology was newer, the cash flow was crazy during COVID. A lot of people who had extra money got into the game. And I'm sure there's some of them who just decided this is not for me. You know, this this constant management and the the, com- the complaints and sort of the managing your uh, online ratings and all that sort of thing is difficult. And if if that's not your personality, and the money has gone down a little bit, I think there are people who are saying, no, thank you. And then on top of that, you have just a regulatory environment where more and more cities are having to come up with their their licensing and their rules. And so it's definitely difficult, but it's difficult in comparison to a very unrealistic time period where everyone was making money and the cities, a lot of cities had not come up with rules yet. And you weren't really having to come up against that as much. So Yes, it's down, but overall, is it unhealthy? This article would would argue against that. So did you have any thoughts after reading that, Tavis? Yeah, my thought is, look, at Airbnb became very easy for every any individual that got a bright idea to Airbnb their house out. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, how many different people, you know, that are not professionals that have full-time jobs doing other things that are like, oh, man. I could make money, you know, like uh, look at, look at what they're charging per night. You know, I can get a hundred dollars a night for my garage, you know? Okay. (laughs) You know, let's do it. And I think it, you know, unfortunately it's just like anything when, when you get, you know, wildfire that spreads and everybody thinks it's easy and everybody jumps in the game and nobody, there's, you know, there's a handful of people that run it professionally as a business and know what they're doing. Uh, you know, it was a new journey for Tabitha and I, even though we've been in the rental game for many years on the 12 month term, but we still understand, you know, the concept and we understand, you know, presentation, we understand real estate, but you have to understand it deeper when you take on a challenge like that. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I think one of the biggest things that we've seen just from our side of it is that so many people now want to walk these homes ahead of time because they don't trust. Airbnb. They don't trust Hmm. what's out there because you have all these amateurs that have put property out there 
and the pictures look great and they walk it and they're like, this, this place is terrible. I want my money back. I want my <laughs> refund. And so yeah. it's created havoc in the marketplace and it's created havoc from their Airbnb side. It's created it from the, the guest side. I mean, you're, you're, an, you're an avid, uh, Airbnb dweller, right? When you, yes. when you yeah. travel for band. Um, so you could probably speak on that, you know, on your experiences of the ones that you've seen and, Oh, maybe sure. what you have to do to dice, dissect a little bit and go into the the reviews. And I will tell you this as a host, there's been a, a few tenants that I've had that I want to be a little bit more critical on mm-hmm. like <laughs> how they lived, you know, yeah, right. at the end of the day, it's not my business. Right. But I, I mean, I just know that there's been people that live a little bit more rough or not as neat and tidy (laughs) as I would like to see. And so sometimes, you know, more things get, you know, that that things are grungier. It's going to take a lot more work to clean it and steam clean the carpets and do all these different things. But you have to be kind of, you have to be careful because it asked me to kind of rate it. Now, I don't know how it does it. If it's simultaneously that it has the, the guest, you know, write a review on me. Right. before I write a review on them and maybe we don't, maybe it is simultaneous. Um, but I don't get to see their review unless I write a review. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so you have to be somewhat strategic. So I could see it on the other side too. If you're, if you're a tenant and the landlord is terrible, like it depends how much you travel and you know, what kind of review yeah. you're really going to write. If it was the best experience ever or yeah. It wasn't so great. And how do you critique that? And I would say you're probably a good person to ask that question to because you've stayed in some not so great ones. I mean, how did you yeah. review those? I, you know, I, I, I have never stayed in a horrible one. And yeah. we're also not, you know, Karen 1952 that hates everything. You know, it's like, <laughs> just is like looking for stuff to you know, there's like the attitude is, I don't even know if they're trying to find a discount early on, or that's just how they live. I just don't live that way. You know, now, you know, it wasn't an Airbnb. The one time I've ever walked out of a hotel, Luke and Allie went and I went down to Big Ben for a camping trip. This is actually right before COVID, but the choices down there were minimal. I didn't plan. It was kind of a last minute deal. We were going to camp. We went into this one hotel. I mean, it was rough and it was not clean the toilet paper roll even was like already unrolled, like halfway down to the floor. It was really weird. It was almost like they just didn't even clean <laughs> like it. Like somebody between. was in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, they had said, Oh yeah, it's right. It was like a real highway motel type place. So we walked out, we went somewhere else. Um, after that, it was funny, you know, but it, that was the roughest thing. Like the last a, one we went to like was a, over in like Indianapolis. Like a per hour hotel? Was it that Yeah, bad? it was kind of per hour. Yeah, it was sort of that. <laughs> there was like people out, like literally, it was like they were uh, tailgating in the, the parking lot. They had a huge boom box. It was super loud. They're out there grilling and stuff. It was different. But, you know, we went to the one in Indianapolis. It was clean, you know, but, it, it, you know, when you said Tabitha gets, you know, credit for really stocking the the kitchen, I mean, that's really, I would say that's a lot of times when it really falls apart. You know, they, they'll have the cheapest sheet pan, one little bitty set of just the cheapest silverware that'll cut your finger if you hold it wrong on a fork. And, you know, they don't have any, any supplies and it's, Mm -hmm. they just do the minimum to say, you know, we have a stocked kitchen. Now on the other side, I remember vividly one of our very first Airbnbs we went to in Winter Park. It was amazing. They had thought about every little thing that we might 
you know, they had a meal that we could cook late at night if we got in from the airport late. It had the spaghetti nice. stuff and all that stuff. Great coffee bar. They had these little take with you packets of sunscreen that had a little on the wall. There was like individual packets of sunscreen. It's like, hey, go out for the day to make sure you take your, if you didn't bring sunscreen, here you go. Like it nice. was so cool. It was had a great book to explain everything. They had the LED lights and you could make it was just fun. And they had really thought it was like, man, this is a professionally managed run th mm -hmm. well thought out place and so when you see that end of it and then you see the other then you know you go back and forth but you know i i think at the end of the day it's just not for some people you know and and it, 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 like anything if it makes a lot of money there's some sort of either risk or effort that has to go into it you know yeah and i think that that the rubber meets the road after a while it's like it's just not worth it for us you know megan and dustin they're experienced investors and they you know megan's a great designer and you know they had an Airbnb in Pflugerville down in Austin that they're selling and it was still cash flowing some, but it just wasn't worth it overall for them. The experience just was not worth it. And having to deal with randos making weird, you know, reviews. And it was just at some point, it's just like, no thanks. But that being said, I, like I said, we've been dealing with, you know, Aaron, he has up one up in the Smokies. I've got another buddy, Josiah. He's got, I think eight in the Smokies. They, they do well and, and mm -hmm. they are, they're in the rhythm and they've got their people and it, it just like really works. So I think moral of the story is, I don't think it's just this huge exodus from the space, you know? And I, and I would say this, I, I think, you know, Airbnb and VRBO obviously started in the destination spots, right? Mm -hmm, and yeah. and those, I think, are still strong markets uh, because, you know, people were traveling there for a reason and, you know, they're coming to, you know, spend time, um, you know, with their family, you know, beach resorts or the Smokies or, you know, ski resorts, you know, all that stuff is, you know, destination driven of why people travel and go to those places uh, versus, you know, yep. Every Paul, Dick, and Harry, you know, that decided to go ahead and run out their, you know, their their house a, a and upgrade to another home or, or yeah. their garage apartment or their basement or what have you. And yeah. there's no regulation. I mean, there's nothing that really keeps you from building a profile on Airbnb as a host and signing on and uploading pictures and saying, yeah. oh. I can rent my place out now. I always thought that was such a weird re recommendation. I would listen to a bigger pocket. This is a couple of years ago. I'd listen to a bigger pockets podcast and you know, some guy, single guy, I guess, you know, while he's living at his house, he's like, well, I had, you know, I'd sleep on the couch out front and I'd rent out my bedroom. I'm like, well, first of all, <laughs> who are you? Second of yeah. all, who is the person who is renting a back room while you're up front? You're sharing yeah. the kit. I was like, look, I, that's probably not, that's definitely not for everyone. That's probably not even for many people. And yes, they, but this whole, I, I'm going to house hack. I'm going to do my best to like make an extra $300 this month. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it works for some people, but anyway, it's a, it's an interesting world. And, um, I hope to get into the short term uh, world at some point to have the uh, income to go ahead and get into something. And actually I was talking, you know, recently, one of my long-term dreams would be to have some sort of boutique hotel. Because I just love that that experience idea, giving someone an experience like you're talking about and helping someone enjoy their trip even that much more through curation, I think is super cool. And that's why I love Disney World and Universal and all that, because there's just amazing at it. And they can transport you for this little, you know, hour long thing to a different place. And I think if you can do that for people and you can really care 
it, it adds value to people's life and it's not just this transaction. So I hope to do that at some point. Yeah. Well, today we are going to uh, do something we may not do every time, but we're going to try to get into sort of a community profile. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are moving into town. I, lately, I've been dealing with a lot of investors and we actually, I just had a whole day on Monday where I got to travel around and show off our area to a couple from California. Shout out to Tim and Johanna if they are listening. They're traveling to Houston yesterday and today to check out Texas. So they, they're originally, he's from Holland, she's from Peru. They met in Canada. Now they live in California, but they want to move to Texas. And so they are packing in so much to this trip. They flew to Dallas. They, they wanted to drive down to Houston. They may make their way back through, up through Austin. It's like, well, you're getting a, it's like fire hydrant, Texas, but they are going to stop. They, they were supposed to stop at Bucky's yesterday. So uh, we, we had barbecue Monday night. They're going to Bucky's and I think they're going to go down to Houston, check out NASA. Maybe, I don't know, but it'll be a lot of fun for them. But um, I've been talking a lot about different parts of town, cities and all this. And so I think we're going to tackle a, a town here and there and just kind of give you an update on why we like it, you know, what the highlights are and the, the basic facts of it. So today we're gonna pick Richardson. Richardson is in the northeast corner of Dallas. If you're looking at a map of Dallas, look at downtown Dallas, just a little bit north and maybe just slightly east, you're gonna hit Richardson. Honestly, the population's under 200,000, so it doesn't seem that big, but it's one of those towns that you sort of drive in and out of and you never really know where it starts and stops. It's just completely absorbed by Dallas DFW area. But I love Richardson and I flipped my two houses ago. It was in Richardson. I was over there a ton. I grew to really, really like the house. I helped uh, our friends, Josh and Krista, find a place over in Richardson after they sold their house there. So spent a ton of time there from a retail side and from the investor side. To give you an idea just of, of pricing, I looked up on the MLS, the most expensive house for sale in Richardson right now is 2.4 million. It's up in the Firewheel area. So if you go to the far north part of Richardson, actually on the other side of George Bush Tollway there, it actually has a little panhandle section up in Firewheel. There's some nice neighborhoods there. So 2.4 million is the most expensive. The least expensive house that you can buy in Richardson right now is $300,000, three bed, two bath in the south central part of Richardson, definitely the older part. You're probably late 60s, early 70s build down there. So that gives you a context of, of your price ranges. They have some really great elementary schools. Tavis and I were looking at, there's some seven out of 10, eight out of 10, nine out of 10 elementary schools. And then of course, by the time kids quit caring, the high school is a four out of 10, most across the board. JJ Pierce is still a, supposed to be a very good high school. I have, people love that high school, but from a rating standpoint, it's not amazing. Uh, that being said is there's people I'm sure that wouldn't trade it for the world because I've heard so many good things about it. And it's probably one of those things is once you get plugged in, find your place and you can do great things there or you can just not care. Uh, so that's that's probably a lot of the public high schools in our area. So, Tavis, why why do you I know you do a lot of business in Richardson. Why are the what are the things about Richardson that you like? Well, I think geographically, you know, Richardson is kind of bordered on Dallas by two sides on the south side, as well as the um, the west side of Richardson is bordered by Dallas. Now, technically, the west side, you know, close enough on one point ends up being kind of Addison, but Addison's also known as Dallas. Right. But nevertheless, um, so it's kind of bordered by two sides there. The majority of it is in Dallas County. I believe parts of it are in Collin County. And then on the north side, it's it borders Plano, and then on the east side, 
basically borders Garland. So Garland yeah. kind of wraps around it, if you will. Um, and even a sliver of it might actually hit the corner of uh, Murphy, Saxe, you know, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I think, up, up in the top side. But anyways, uh, geographically, it's a great location. You know, parts of Dallas, I mean, like uh, the property I have in, da- in uh, Richardson, that is my uh, midterm rental is only like 15, 20 minutes from downtown Dallas. So yeah, uh, geographically, great location. It's basically right as you get north of one of the first loops that we have in our area, which is known as 635 and just, you know, reaching north of there. I will say that the school district's quite large and Mm -hmm. um, there's areas of Lake Islands, uh, which is Dallas, East Dallas, Northeast Dallas. Um, And that is, uh, that's gonna go to Richardson ISD. Uh, You have parts of Garland that are Richardson ISD. You have parts of, you know, Plano that are, you know, Plano and other parts of Dallas that are Richardson ISD. As you get into Addison or closer to Addison, it, it bleeds over into Richardson ISD as well. So anyways, it's it's quite large. And what I've seen is that there's parts of, of Richardson that are now becoming kind of the new the new area of, of demand as far as like tearing down and rebuilding. Right. Yep. Um, you've got an area that's Northwood. It's called Northwood. I believe that's what it is. Uh, Northwood Hills. Uh, that's up kind of in between like Hillcrest and Coit and and that area uh, that's kind of right out again on the edge of, of Dallas, you know, blending into Richardson. That's really cool. Big like acre lots and lots of mature trees and some rolling hills and some really cool spots. And then you've got, you know, areas like Canyon Creek, obviously a big golf course, and they just spent a, a tremendous amount of money revamping the, gro- the golf course and the clubhouse. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, you got great schools, um, you know, but you got to think these homes were built um, anywhere from, I believe, like the 60s. I don't think there was a lot of homes built in the 50s. And, and of course, you have like the east side of 75, and then you have the west side of, of 75 as well. But, um, you know, a lot of the homes were built in the 60s and the 70s, you know, some in the 50s. But, you know, that's given it time for these, you know, big tree-lined streets and, you know, these big mature trees that, you know, it's completely shaded and there's a lot of character. And then you've got areas like the reservation, for instance, that a lot of people have torn down and rebuilt, you know, uh, custom homes. And they don't have a golf course, you know, they're just in infill lots. And then, of course, you get into Candy Creek and you're seeing a lot more teardown rebuilds, you know, on the golf course primarily, but also there's some infill stuff going on as well. Um, But I kind of see that trickling north. Right. So eventually, I believe that's going to that's going to bleed into Plano. We're going to start seeing that trend here in the next 10 years of of people uh, tearing down and rebuilding infill lots in Plano, just as we've seen in Dallas and just as the cost of land gets more more expensive people want more of that luxury home and you know for what they're paying for the price point you know you you can see more of that happening so yeah no that's that's a good look i mean i've always kind of compared richardson to a little bit of austin feel i grew up in austin it has it has a funky feel in in that there's not a ton of hoas but it's a lot of the neighborhoods it's aged well you know you could go the other way when there's no hoas but it's it's 
unique. You have just kind of an art artistic feel in some of the houses where they've got cool sculptures out front every once in a while. You know, you got some really cool local restaurants and there's Lockwood Distillery and you've got, you know, your Alamo Draft Houses over there. Those they've, they've really started to develop these cool just pockets of, of interesting restaurants and places to hang out. So love Richardson. I like it from, I would live there. I would definitely live, you know, several places over there. And it's a great place to invest, I think, because, you know, we've both done it successfully over there. <clears throat> and so whatever you're looking to do, don't sleep on Richardson. Well, that will do it for us today. I know you've probably seen it on social. We hit a thousand downloads this last week. We cannot thank you enough for the support. I think we have some new listeners because we've had a few people really go out of their way to share it. So if you're new, thank you so much for being here. Share it with a friend. We try to keep this coming to you every week. We've got some great interviews coming to you. So if you do not know, uh, I'm Ashton Hines on Instagram. I'm the Dallas real estate guy. Tavis is Tavis Westbrook, Travis without the R. He has Tavis Westbrook designs. He does design work. He can help you with blueprints and all sorts of renderings. He flips. He has commercial building. He, he has a ton of knowledge. I work a little bit more on the retail side. Lately, I'm, I'm working with a lot of investors uh, calling me. I'm working with a ton of people who are looking for uh, real estate to help with their tax situation, which is a lot of fun. I think we're going to dive into the math of that sometimes. So follow us on, on social. That's kind of where we keep everyone up to date on our projects and, and what's going on. If you have not, please give us a review on on the, the platform, either on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. That does a lot for us. And then copy and paste the link and send it to a friend. Say, please listen to it. Uh, it's a great podcast. These guys are great. So if you would do it, it would make us feel wonderful. And we're just going to keep it rolling. And then we're going to get to 2000 downloads before long. So thank you guys so much. Hope you have a great week. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. Later.